Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and his daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life, there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is more than medicine, and the doctor is in. We welcome you to More Than Medicine with Dr. Robert Jackson, family physician of 38 years in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and his wife, Miss Carlotta Jackson, mother of their nine children, and his wife of also 38 years, and then myself, their fourth daughter, and of course, I'm gonna take the liberty to say their favorite daughter, uh, Hannah Miller. Miss Carlotta, you came up with our tagline, Jesus is enough to cure all the ills that plague our country and our culture. Can you explain how you came up with that? Well, I knew we had to do it, and I'd been praying about it, and somehow I wanted to connect the dots between you being a physician and the topics that we think we want to talk about in the days, weeks, months, and maybe years to come. I knew it had to be short and concise, so Jesus is enough to cure the ills that plague. Those are medical terms, and Jesus is enough to cure the ills, whether they be medical, uh, spiritual, emotional, and it communicates our core conviction that Jesus and his word addresses every issue of life. We named it more than medicine because we plan to address multiple types of issues in the weeks and months to come. Ms. Hannah, what kind of issues do we intend to address? Well, we're planning to address family issues and social, medical, parenting, even political issues. So really, uh, a myriad of issues is what we're planning to do. And if Scripture speaks to the issue, then we intend to speak to it. And if Scripture is silent, then we'll be silent with no speculation. Uh, we'll try to scratch a where you itch, and meaning address issues that matter to you and your family. So let's dive in. So Robert selected the topic for today, and he wanted to bounce, bounce this message off of Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Robert, there's a story in your second book, The Truth About Seed Planting, that you like to tell. How about sharing that with us today? Well, some years ago, this was actually back in the early 80s, uh, a young man came into my office. Let's just give him a, a pseudonym. We'll call him Devante. And when he came into the office, he had weeping sores from his chin all the way down to his feet. And the weeping sores was weeping fluid all the way through his clothing. I also noticed that he had large lymph nodes uh, in his neck under his chin on both sides. And I pretty much diagnosed him immediately when I saw him, but I politely asked a few other questions. And I asked him if he'd ever had any uh, blood transfusions, and he said no. I asked him if he'd ever uh, used IV drugs, illicit drugs, and he was very indignant in saying no. And then I asked him if he'd ever had sexual relations with other men. 
and he began to look at the floor and scuff the carpet with his shoes and and then he looked up with to me and he responded I asked my friend boy to to leave last week or rather he responded that his friend boy had asked him to leave because of all the weeping sores. And at that point, he began to to weep a little bit. And I could tell that he was very distressed by his diagnosis and uh, the problems that he was facing. And I think he pretty much suspected his diagnosis. So I asked him if he'd ever had a, an AIDS test. Now, that's what we called it back in the 80s. We call it HIV now, but this was taking place in the in the mid-80s or early 80s. And he said no, and I said, well, do you mind if I uh, give you some antibiotic to treat these sores and if we do a, uh, an AIDS test? And he, he said no. So I gave him the antibiotic and told him to come back in two weeks. When he came back, his HIV test or AIDS test was positive, but the weeping sores had cleared up and he was no more had no more drainage from his skin but he still had these big lymph nodes under his neck and when I shared with him that his test was positive he immediately began to sob just big heart-wrenching sobs because it confirmed what he already suspected and as we talked he told me that several of his friends had had died recently from HIV so I looked at him and I, I told him, I said, Devontae, you know, I can't change the outcome of this diagnosis, but I want you to know that Jesus can help you. And Jesus is enough for your diagnosis and your future. And I began to share the gospel with him. And he listened politely. And then when I was finished, he looked at me and he said, that's what my grandmother says. And I, I kind of chuckled a little bit. And I said, what does your grandmother say? And he looked at me and bluntly said, my grandmother tells me I'm a sinner. And I said, well, why does she tell you that? He said, because of my lifestyle. And I said, well, what else does she tell you? She said, he said, my grandma tells me I need Jesus. And I said, well, Devontae, your grandma's right. And I said, Jesus can help you. And I said, you need to go home and you need to get on your knees and you need to pray about this whole issue and you need to pray about your relationship with Jesus and I said you mind if I pray with you and he said no so I put my hand on his shoulder and I prayed over him and I I prayed for his spiritual life then I referred him to an infectious disease doctor and so he was gone for about a month he came back a month later when I opened the exam room door Miss Hannah he jumped up and he grabbed my shoulders and he danced me around in a circle and he had this giant smile on his face. I knew something had happened. And he started saying, thank you, Dr. Jackson. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. And I said, what for? He said, I prayed and I asked Jesus into my heart and he has saved me. And as we began to talk, it turned out that he had, he had become a Christian. He had joined his grandmother's church. He was singing in the choir and he was going to be baptized the following week. He told me later that he had asked his friend boy not to come back anymore. He had broken off that relationship. Now, I'll be honest. His relationship with Jesus Christ, this new relationship, did not in any way change the outcome of his disease. Because two years later, I read his obituary 
mm. in the newspaper. But mm. Jesus was enough for Devante because it re restored him to a right relationship with his family. It restored him to a right relationship with a, a church that loved him and cared for him. And it restored him to a right relationship with Jesus Christ so that in all of eternity, he had a right relationship with God. It changed his eternal destiny. And it's because I was willing to look him in the eye and say, Jesus is enough for you. And Jesus can help you. And you see, all of us have people like Devante in our lives. We have young, unwed, pregnant teenage girls in our circle of influence. All of us have men who are chronic alcoholics, who are chronically unemployed. All of us have friends or neighbors or family members who are drug addicts, whose problems seem to us to be overwhelming. All of us have people in our lives who have chronic psychiatric illnesses. They can't keep a job, and, and they're just like a giant black hole. And every time you come around them, it seems like they just suck all the vitality out of you. They suck all the life out of you. And sometimes you just want to turn and run the other way when you see them. And my challenge to me and to you and all of us as Christian folks is to be persuaded in our hearts that Jesus is enough for them, just like He was for Devante. Because see, if we're not convinced of the power of the gospel, isn't that what Paul said? He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He said, I'm persuaded that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, to the alcoholic, to the drug addict, to the homosexual, to the unwed teenage mom. It doesn't matter what their outward circumstance is. Jesus can meet their need. And if we're not convinced of that, I promise you we'll look away. We won't look them in the eye and say, Jesus can help you. We'll be embarrassed. We'll be uncomfortable. We'll look at the floor. We'll look away. And we'll never look them dead in the eye and say, Jesus is enough for your situation. Jesus can help you. I'm convinced that we are the priest that stands as a counselor or advisor or an intercessor at the intersection between God's mercy and human misery. Let me say that again. I'm convinced of this, that we are the priest that stands at the, as a counselor or an advisor or an intercessor at the intersection between God's mercy and human misery. You remember what Jesus told His disciples when they were confronted with 5,000 hungry people? They looked all around and all they had was a few fish and a little bit of bread. And Jesus looked at them and He said, You feed them. And the disciples looked around and they said to each other, That's crazy talk. <laughs> but Jesus said, You feed them. 
And then Jesus demonstrated His power and His ability to meet the need of 5,000 hungry people with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And He met the need of that crowd through these disciples with what they had. And you see, we're not convinced of Jesus' ability to meet the needs of the people in our lives whose needs sometimes are overwhelming to us. But listen, Hannah, listen, Miss Carlotta, their needs are not overwhelming to Jesus. They're just overwhelming to you and me. And we have to be convinced of the power of the gospel to transform these folks' lives. It may not change the outward circumstances of their lives, but Jesus will change their hearts. And when He changes their heart, everybody in their circle of influence, their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, their next-door neighbor, everybody sees what happens in their heart and it opens up a myriad of doors of opportunity for you and me to share the gospel with everybody in their circle of influence. But if we're afraid to seize the opportunity to speak the truth of the gospel into that person's life simply because their circumstances are overwhelming, then we lose the opportunity to walk through all those other doors. Because we're not convinced of the power of the gospel to change that person's life. Before Jesus proved to them that He was enough and that He could meet the needs of 5,000 people with what they had and without depleting their resources and still giving them leftovers, He looked at those disciples and He said, You feed them. And you see, that's what He's saying to you and me. When we've got folks in our lives who have overwhelming needs overwhelming circumstances. He says to you and me, you feed them. You go up to them and you look them in the eye and say, Jesus can help you. Jesus is enough for you. Unless you and I are convinced in our heart of hearts that Jesus is enough and that He can meet every need of the human heart, I promise you, you'll blink. You will look away and you will feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of their lives and you will not accept the challenge or seize the opportunity and you will not be an effective seed planter. Isn't that what Jesus has called you and me to be? He certainly has. Just seed planters. You see, for all of our lives, we've used that phrase, soul winner. Hmm. But you know, I can't win anybody's soul. That's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I can't even change Miss Carlotta's mind. (laughs) I've lived with her 38 years and I can't change her mind. What makes me think I can change somebody's soul from from lost to saved? I can't transfer them from from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's Mm -hmm. beloved Son. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So... That's why the title of my book is How to Be an Effective Seed Planner. Because really that's all that God calls you and me to be is effective seed planners. I plant the seed. Isn't it what what the Scripture says when Paul said that he planted and Apollos watered 
but God gave the increase. But the point of all of this is that unless we are willing to seize those opportunities and plant the seed of the gospel in the heart of people whose circumstances sometimes are overwhelming to us, we lose that opportunity to plant the seed of the gospel. Ultimately, it boils down to this. It's our faith in what Jesus can do through me and my congregation, through you and your congregation, and our faith in the power of the gospel to transform lives. You see, it was the gospel that transforms Devante's life. It wasn't me. I was just a seed planter. And there have been lots of people that's come through my office over the last 37 years that have had overwhelming circumstances. And I was not able by myself to do anything about the circumstances of their lives. But I would look them in the eye, hold them by the hand, share with them the truth of the gospel, and Jesus changed their heart. And once He changed their heart, He changed their attitude. And once their heart and their attitude is changed, He, cha he gives them an, a totally different perspective in life. A biblical perspective. A biblical worldview, as we call it. And once those things are changed, then sometimes God orchestrates the circumstances and affairs of their lives. Sometimes He doesn't. He didn't change the end of Devante's life. He didn't change the end of his disease. He doesn't always change the cancer diagnosis in the heart or, or mind, I'm sorry, the lives of my patients. But he often enables them to face the end of their lives with an eager expectation of going to meet Jesus face to face. He enables them to go and make things right with family members from whom they have been estranged. He enables them to go to Jesus with a clear conscience. And you see, Jesus changes people's hearts. He changes the way they look at life, the way they think about life, the way they think about Him. And all of those things are very important to my patients in the way they relate to God and the way they relate to one another. But it all starts with somebody like me and somebody like you and somebody like the folks in our listening audience being convinced of the power of the gospel to transform people's lives. And that's why the book that I wrote is entitled The Truth About Seed Planting, Equipping People to Be Effective, Equipping Believers to Be Effective Evangelists. Now, people ask me over and over why did I write that book? The first reason I wrote the book was just for my children and my grandchildren. If nobody reads the book except for my children and grandchildren, that's enough. But really, I'm a storyteller. And I do my most effective teaching through telling stories. And I wrote, wanted to write into that book the stories of sharing the gospel through my medical practice uh, all the way back to my college days. And I wanted to share with the people biblical principles of sharing the gospel. 
that would teach not just my children and grandchildren, but would expand my borders and allow me to teach more people than just the ones in my Sunday school class. And I love to teach the Word, and that's why we have this radio broadcast, because I want to expand my borders at teaching the Word, teaching biblical principles of life. Um, I know that God has called me to be a family doctor, and that's what I've done for 37 years, and I've been faithful to that call. But God didn't put me there just to take care of runny noses and sore throats and diabetes and arthritis. He put me there to share the gospel. He put me there to share with people biblical principles of life. And this radio broadcast is an opportunity for me to expand the borders of Bible teaching. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, was to expand that opportunity to teach more people, to share with them the stories, and to share with them the biblical teaching. It's been said that if you want people to to know the truth, you just teach them the truth. But if you want them to love the truth, you tell them a story. Isn't that what Jesus did? Mm-hmm. Yes. He taught in parables. And people would understand the story, but then He would take the disciples aside and He would teach them what the story meant. And we remember His teaching because He told stories. Well, people have told me for years that I was a good storyteller, and then they started telling me, Dr. Jackson, you should write a book. So this was my second book. The first book was The Truth About Life. And it was a book, a pro-life book, and I enjoyed writing that one. And this one now is The Truth About Seed Planting. And there's lots of good stories in there about sharing the gospel, but each chapter teaches different principles about planting the seed, equipping you and me to be good seed planters. But the principle for today that I want us to understand today is that if we're going to be effective seed planters, we must be convinced that Jesus can meet every need of the human heart. We must be convinced of the power of the gospel. And that's what Paul meant when he said in Romans 1.16 that he was not ashamed of the gospel. He was persuaded. He was convinced of the power of the gospel to transform people's lives. Well, and I know, you know, in my counseling training that I've had, one of the things we really get caught up into is, um, you know, people want their circumstances to change, the situation that they're in. And what you've just so eloquently said is that, you know, Jesus doesn't always change the situation, but what he does is he changes how we respond to the situation, how we react to the situation. And therein we have hope. Um, It feels like a lot of times we're just stuck in such hopelessness. But when we're able to confidently point people to to the gospel of Jesus Christ and say he can meet your need what that the hope there that it gives people and I love being able to sit across the table from people in the counseling room when they come to me and they just, you know, they just dump, they unload all of their issues and and I'm able to look at them and say this is a mess mm-hmm. but you know what Jesus can meet your needs. And that is such a hope-filled moment for them. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a great discussion that you've had, you've been able to give to us today. What are some of the upcoming topics that we plan to discuss that we're going to be able to do? Well, 
I think next week that we're going to talk about the fact that unless you and I are persuaded that the persistent prayers of a pure-hearted prayer warrior will prevail, that none of us will be effective seed planters. And I'm going to share a few stories that talk about the effectiveness of prevailing prayer. And that's going to be our subject for next week. I also have uh, a lesson that I would like to share with us in a following week that talks about the fact that there is no plan B. There is no other option for salvation other than salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to go into that now because that would be giving away our thunder right. for, for <laughs> you future. You have to stay tuned. <laughs> That's right. Folks will have to stay tuned, but I, I just wanted to kind of get a little bit of grasp of what we're going to talk about. Um, and those are just some of our, our upcoming topics. Um, I'm not going to... Those, those are also chapters that are included in my book. I'm not going to always talk about things that are uh, included in my book. Um, that was just a starting place. But we have other issues down the road that, that we will address. I was going to ask that, or I was going to let our listeners know that we're starting things off talking about evangelism and, and kind of a jumping off point is your most recent book. But we're going to uh, think they won't always be about that. No, we got. We will talk about some issues that, that may be medical. We'll talk about some issues that deal with the family, with parenting, with social issues, moral and ethical issues. Anything that the Bible speaks to, uh, we'll try to talk about those issues. Uh, my wife and my daughter, Miss Hannah, are very conversant with scriptures and able to address these issues as they uh, speak to the culture. Uh, at times, we'll invite some guests in on our program to add their level of expertise, and we'll look forward to that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really looking forward to doing this. I'm looking forward to doing it uh, with mom as well. And if my voice sounds familiar, you probably know uh, I also do a show from 7 to 9, uh, Tuesday through Friday with Dr. Tony Beam on Christian Worldview with Tony and Hannah. So I'm, yes, I'm that Hannah as well. Uh, doing this with my family and then doing uh, that one with Tony. So it's a lot of fun, but that's why you're, you're thinking, where do I know that name? Well, if you've happened to tune in uh, during the weekdays, you might have caught me there as well. well do, um, you, do your tagline. We like Oh. <laughs> we love to hear your tagline. Do it for us. Okay, outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian. This is Hannah Miller, informed and unafraid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I say every morning. When I remember, that's what I say in the mornings uh, during the week. But this is, I'm really excited about doing this. This is a little bit different from Tony and I do more of the, the hot news um, and what's going on that day in politics and in Washington, D.C., around the world. So we're going to be doing um, some of that as well well but a lot of different things we're going to do here and it's so it's going to be a little bit of a different flavor but i'm excited about uh just doing both and thank you and mom for inviting me on to do it with you guys because i'm i'm excited about it well we couldn't do it without you you're the talk show host. well (laughs) i'm gonna try to be well thanks so much dad and i guess uh we'll see you guys and talk to you again next week thank you ma'am Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com 
for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for more than medicine.